love it, my friend. Thank you for waking us up <laughs> that was with awesome. such. I was about to take a nap over there, but all perky now. Thank you so much for that, Evan. Good morning, friends, and welcome to our 8:30 service on this the 22nd Sunday uh, after Pentecost. Goodness gracious, uh, Advent will be here in no time. Reformation Sunday. It's good to worship God together. Welcome to those of you in the room, and as we know, many more who join us online from all over the country and other countries. It's good to worship God together. Uh, in this way. Welcome. Uh, some of you are visiting with us. We are so honored uh, that you have come. Some of you visiting have met you before, but uh, we're glad that you're here. Leave us some contact information. We'd love to begin to befriend one another. Uh, I'd just add on a personal note, um, yesterday we had the uh, funeral service for my father-in-law, former senior pastor here. Thank you to so many of you who have reached out with messages and cards and a few with chocolate. I mean, that's just uh, really been amazing. Uh, we're really grateful and touched uh, by the love of our church family. My name is James Howell, and I'm up front this morning with my friend and colleague, Dr. Uyan Kim. Grateful to be together. As Dr. Howell already mentioned, we want to connect with you and pray for you as we journey in faith together. Please let us know who you are. There's a hospitality pad at the end of your pews. At the back of your bulletin, there's a QR code you can use with your smartphone. And for those of us joining us online, wherever you may be, there's a link that you can click on. Uh, let us know who you are. And we would love to share the ministries of our church as a family of God as we journey together. A couple of things we wanted to highlight for you on our This Week e-newsletter and the bulletin insert. Uh, we have a border conversation to better understand our uh, immigrant neighbors on October the 30th in <clears throat> Francis Chapel. So please take note of that. And we have a blood drive that's coming up in a few weeks, so please do make an appointment for that. Here's the thing about blood, right? We can't make any more of it. It can only be given by our friends, by our siblings in Christ. So please do take note of that opportunity to share of ourselves to those who are in desperate needs. And as always, it is grateful that we are here together. Let us continue to prepare our hearts for worship.
Family of God, let us join our voices now as we profess our faith through the Apostles' Creed. It can be found on 881 in your hymnal. I believe in God the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, dead, and buried. The third day he rose from the dead. He ascended into heaven and sitteth at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From thence he shall come to judge the quick and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. now is the time in our service where we come together as the body of Christ to confess our sins before God and one another, knowing that God is rich in mercy and quick to forgive. So please join me in the prayer of confession in your bulletin. Gracious God, we carry anger in our hearts we cannot release. Our past regrets continue to shame us with pain. Scarcity binds our hearts from generosity and growth. Give us courage to choose you in the face of temptations. Set us free for joyful obedience and faithful witness. Open us to a future of peace, hope, and love with you. Amen. Hear the good news. Christ died for us while we were yet sinners. That proves God's love for us. In the name of Jesus Christ, you are forgiven. Glory to God. Amen. The Old Testament reading is Deuteronomy chapter 34, beginning with the first verse. And Moses went up from the plains of Moab to Mount Nebo, to the top of Pisgah, which is opposite Jericho. And the Lord showed him all the land, Gilead as far as Dan, all Naphtali, the land of Ephraim and Manasseh, all the land of Judah as far as the western sea, the Negeb and the plain, that is, the valley of Jericho, the city of palm trees, as far as Zoar. And the Lord said to him, this is the land of which I swore to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob. I will give it to your descendants. I have let you see it with your eyes, but you shall not go over there. So Moses, the servant of the Lord, died there in the land of Moab, according to the word of the Lord. 
And he buried him in the valley in the land of Moab, opposite Beth Peor. But no man knows the place of his burial to this day. Moses was 120 years old when he died. His eye was not dim, nor his natural force abated. And the people of Israel wept for Moses in the plains of Moab 30 days. Then the days of weeping and mourning for Moses were ended. And Joshua the son of Nun was full of the spirit of wisdom, for Moses had laid his hands upon him. So the people of Israel obeyed him and did as the Lord had commanded Moses. And there has not arisen a prophet since in Israel like Moses, whom the Lord knew face to face, none like him for all the signs and the wonders which the Lord sent him to do in the land of Egypt, to Pharaoh and to all his servants and to all his land, and for all the mighty power and all the great and terrible deeds which Moses wrought in the sight of all Israel. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Thank you, Amanda, for that uh, reading from Deuteronomy. Such a poignant uh, moment. Uh, Moses arrives at the uh, top of Mount Nebo above Pisgah. I uh, take tour groups there. It's in the land of Jordan. You look over, you can see huge expanse of the promised land. God shows it to him. <laughs> it describes the way Moses' eyes go from one place to another. He uh, goes from the south to the north, starts in Gilead, and then he zigs down the Jordan River and back up through the Negev to Jericho, which is uh, just across the river there. It's amazing. Moses sees the whole land. He's filled with great joy. He's got to be weary. He's 120 years old. He's been out in the wilderness for 40 years, leading an obstinate people. But he's gotten them there. He's weary. He must be filled with immense joy. But then, then the sorrow, the sorrow. God tells him now of all times, you will not enter the land. You will not enter the land. When I was younger, I used to read uh, theologians arguing over why God didn't let Moses enter the land. Did he strike the rock wrong? Did he lose his temper one day? Whatever. The right answer is clearly given by, of all people, Franz Kafka. Not one of our great Christian theologians, right? Kafka said Moses died because he was human. We always want to chalk up death to why did God take and I understand people your life is hinged to God you trust God why did God take the one that I love but we die because we are human and how shall I say it God doesn't ask us to be any more than this God asks us to be human not superhuman but human and we get confused about human because you do something really dumb and stupid and you say well, I'm only human no you were being subhuman at that moment <laughs> God asks us to be human my how to be spiritual series that I'm involved in now it's really about how to be how to be the person that you are how to be your true self how to be the person that God made you to be it, it doesn't require some supernatural miracle be you be humble be noble be in the image of God. Be prayerful. God made us for all of these things. Uh, God asks us to be human. God asks us to have some courage. Underrated, not talked about enough in church life. Courage. 
I stumbled this week again on uh, Marilyn, Marilyn Robinson, a great novelist, uh, in one of her books uh, entitled Gilead. She has the following passage, uh, which goes like this. Theologians talk about a provenient grace that precedes grace itself and allows us to accept it. I think there must also be a provenient courage that allows us to be brave. That is to acknowledge that there is more beauty than our eyes can bear, that precious things have been put into our hands, and to, not, to do nothing to honor them is to do great harm. God has given all of us some provenient courage. It's why we need stories of heroic acts to inspire us to be the courageous people that we could be. It's Reformation Sunday. It's the, year, the, the date on which we mark Martin Luther in 1517 nailed his 95 theses to the Wittenberg door, created a firestorm across Europe. Uh, four years later, they called him on the carpet in Worms, the political and religious authorities of the day, and they said, do you recant? Do you recant? And Luther, I love it, he said, here I stand. Then he added, God help me. <laughs> here I stand. God help me. On December 1st of 1955, a uh, seamstress in Montgomery, Alabama, Methodist seamstress, by the way, named Rosa Parks, uh, got on a city bus, and uh, after a couple of other white passengers got on, the driver, J.P. Blake, stopped the bus and came back and barked at her to give up her seat and to move to the back. And by her actions, she wasn't saying, here I stand. She said, here I sit. Here I sit. We had the great privilege uh, shortly before COVID descended of uh, our church went on a civil rights tour to places around the southeastern United States. I especially loved being in Selma, Alabama, and I got to walk across the Edmund Pettus Bridge with my very great friend, uh, Richard Harrison. Richard was one of a few African-American members in our church. I loved Richard, by the way. Um, people talk about Black History Month. He would say, every month is Black History Month. Like, I love that. We got to walk across that bridge. It's not here I stand, here I sit, here we walk. I try to think about things that call forth courage and things that don't. I just had the striking experience when I was in Israel this uh, past summer. Uh, Lisa was working on this archaeological dig and I had some time to kill, so I was walking around and I went to visit, I've been there one other time, Oscar Schindler's grave, which is right across the road from Mount Zion. It's very interesting. I was about to walk into the cemetery and my phone binged and it was somebody from our church who's a good friend who sent me a photo of where he was right then and if you give the time change like it really worked I, I opened it and it was a photo of a sunrise at Kiowa it was so great and I thought oh and he said they had some comment about God's handiwork of the sunrise at Kiowa, which is a lovely place indeed. And then I walked in and I stood over Oscar Schindler's grave. Nothing wrong with going to Kiowa. We've enjoyed time there, but Kiowa doesn't make a moral demand. Kiowa doesn't require courage. But if you stand at Oscar Schindler's grave, you have to ask yourself, what, what, what would I do? What am I doing? For the vulnerable of the world. Moses dies too soon. You say it was 120. It's always too soon, right? There's always one more thing. I read recently Rabbi Jonathan Sachs, one of the great thinkers of our day, died 
recently and a little bit unexpectedly, he was writing the day that he died on the death of Moses. This is pretty remarkable. That's what he was writing, and then he died. He's reflecting on the fact that uh, Moses' prayer constantly to God was, let me go over and see the land of the Jordan. Let me go and see the land, which prompted Sachs to write, for each of us there is a Jordan we will not cross, a journey we will not finish, a paradise we will not reach this side of the grave. It's always that way. It's always one more day, one more graduation, one more wedding to attend, one more grandchild to be born, one more day to live, one more dinner. It's always one more. Sex goes on to reflect on that uh, Deuteronomy says that Moses, at 120, this is amazing, his eyes were undimmed and his energy was unabated. I love that. He links the two together. He asks, why was his energy unabated? And it must have been because his eyes were undimmed. And what he does with that is he says that, I love this, Moses never lost the vision of his youth. When Moses was young, he had a vision for what God would do in the world, and it was radical, and it was big, and it seemed impossible. But Moses never lost that vision. And that is what enabled him to have energy unabated at the end of his life as sex says on the last day of his life if you want to stay young never compromise your ideals he asked what is a cynic he says a cynic is a lapsed idealist i know a lot of lapsed idealists i used to call them ex-liberals but that annoyed my conservative friends to say that lapsed idealist uh, now Balknight uh, said to me the other day, children were playing out in front of the church, and he said, whenever we finish the building, you've got to have the children keep playing in front of the church because they just have so much joy, and they do have so much joy, and we're going to see about that. Young people, though, not only have so much joy, they, they, they aren't cynics yet. They, like, they don't know that you ought to give up your ideals and become just a right, grumpy realist. You, know you know how we get to be. A grumpy realist. This breaks God's heart. Never give up the ideals of your youth. It's hard to think about this passage of Moses looking into the land without thinking of Martin Luther King and what he said on the last night of his life. He was in Memphis. Memphis is another one of those places like Kiowa and Oscar Schindler's grave. If you go to Memphis, you can go to Graceland. I've been there. And what you get at Graceland is, I ain't nothing but a hound dog, and I did it my way. It's great. It's fine. But in Memphis, uh, you go to the Lorraine Motel where King was shot by somebody who didn't want to hear what he had to say. And you can also visit the Mason Temple where King spoke that night. He was sick. He, did, he thought he wasn't well enough to go. And they said, you, you just got to come. We're here for the striking garbage workers. So he stood up and preached one of the great sermons in all of history. And I'll just read to you the end of it, which is so powerful. I don't know what will happen now. We've got some difficult days ahead, but it doesn't really matter with me now because I've been to the mountaintop. I don't mind like anybody. I'd like to live a long life. Longevity has its place, but I'm not concerned about that now. I just want to do God's will, and he's allowed me to go up to the mountain, and I've looked over and I've seen the promised land. I may not get there with you, 
But I want you to know tonight that we, as a people, will get to the promised land. So I'm happy tonight. I'm not worried about anything. I'm not fearing any man. Mine eyes have seen the glory of the coming of the Lord. Thank God Almighty for him, his words, and his reminding us that we're made to be part of something bigger than ourselves. That's why we're here. Church isn't about today. It is about today, but it's also about something that the people that built this building, like, did they have me in mind? Did they have you in mind? I don't know who they had in mind. They built this building, and we're the beneficiaries of something we had absolutely nothing to do with. And we talked about this a lot. We were raising money for our next building. It's not for us. It's for future generations. It's for the glory of God. It's our privilege to be part of something that's so much larger than ourselves. We call this hope. We call this hope. Hope requires some courage. For those of us who really aren't asked by God to be more than human, courage and hope. Thanks be to God. Friends, let us go to God in prayer together. How lovely is your dwelling place, O Lord Almighty. We gather because you call us your own, and we are all your kids. We gather because of our desire to grow in love with you and to grow in deeper love with our neighbors. We gather because we want to encounter your grace, your presence in our lives, and in your world always and everywhere. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. Spirit of the living God, we gather in your home to remember our stories in the midst of your stories. We gather to remember your faithfulness and your goodness. We gather to remember your steadfast love, which endures forever. In all things, in all places, at all times, your steadfast love endures forever. Help us to remember your steadfast love. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. Conflict, violence, and wars continue near and far. We mourn, we repent. And we pray, may we never give up. May we never give in to the brokenness and the darkness in the world. May we cling on to hope, even in the midst of death. Help us to remember that we are the people of resurrection. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. We doubt, and that's okay. We fear at times, and that's okay. We even, from time to time, may fall into despair, and perhaps that's okay too, because you will never leave us alone. You are never too far away, and you will never give up on us. Help us to never give up. May we never give up in our conviction of the gospel that your good news will always prevail and your good news will always have the final say. Thanks be to God. 
In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Friends, before you know it, uh, Advent will be upon us and we enter into this holiday season, Thanksgiving, Christmas. It is a joyful time, but for some of us, these are especially the most difficult of times. Uh, we remind you of our grief support workshop, which will occur throughout November. The overall care that our church is able to provide for those of us inside the walls of our church and beyond, we are empowered by your generosity to do so. As the ushers come forward, we are reminded of God's goodness and our church's call to be healers in the midst of God's people. We're so grateful. Let us receive our morning tithes and offering with thanksgiving.
loving and gracious God, you are a giver of all good things. We offer a portion of that which you first given to us as the capacity for our generosity continues to grow all the more. May we do your good works for your people in your world. Thanks be to God. Amen. Friends, we come now to our Lord's table. It is a present reality and it is a foretaste of what is to come. Moses looked into the promised land, the land of milk and honey. It was just a taste for him of the reality that was to be. We come today to our Lord's table to participate in God's grace, to anticipate what is to come. All are welcome. All are welcome at our Lord's table. doesn't matter how old you are how deep your faith might be, whether you're courageous or a chicken. Everyone, some of you are like, he's talking <laughs> to me. We're all welcome at our Lord's table. It's grace that transforms us. We'll begin with our prayers of consecration. We will sing the responses. The choir will guide us in doing that. The music's on page uh, 17 at the front of your hymnal if you need that. And then uh, the ushers will guide you in coming forward. After the leaders receive, you can receive standing at one of two stations. Somebody will hand you a piece of bread, dip it gently under the cup, return to your seat. You can receive kneeling. Uh, you can also, we have uh, these uh, gluten-free and COVID-friendly packets that you can have upon request as well. So friends, let us join together in the great Thanksgiving. The Lord be with you. Lift up your hearts. Let us give thanks to the Lord our God. It is right and a good and joyful thing always and everywhere to give thanks to you, Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth. You created all things and called them good. You made covenant with us to be our God and our King. You spoke to us through your holy prophets. And so with your people on earth and all the company of heaven, we praise your name and join their unending hymn.
holy are you and blessed is your son Jesus Christ by the baptism of his suffering death and resurrection he gave birth to your church delivered us from slavery to sin and death and made with us a new covenant by water and the spirit on the night in which he gave himself up for us the Lord Jesus took bread and after giving you thanks he broke the bread he gave it to his disciples and said take eat this is my body which is broken for you do this in remembrance of me and when the supper was over he took the cup again he gave thanks to you gave it to his disciples and said drink from this all of you for this is the cup of the new covenant poured out for you and for many for the forgiveness of sins do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me and so in remembrance of these your mighty acts in Jesus Christ we offer ourselves in praise and thanksgiving as a holy and living sacrifice in union with Christ's offering for us as we proclaim the mystery of faith. Pour out your Holy Spirit on us gathered here and on these gifts of bread and wine. Make them be for us the body and blood of Christ, that we might be for the world the body of Christ redeemed by his blood. By your Spirit, make us one with Christ, one with each other, and one in ministry to the world until Christ comes in final victory and we feast at his heavenly banquet. Through your Son, Jesus Christ, with the Holy Spirit and your holy church, all honor and glory are yours, Almighty Father, now and forever. confidence of the children of God let us pray boldly as our Lord taught us to pray our Father who art in heaven hallowed be thy name thy King
Just give me Jesus, which is what God has given us. Thanks be to God. Would you uh, join with me now in our prayer after communion, which you'll find printed in your bulletin. Let us pray. Eternal God, we give you thanks for this holy mystery in which you have given yourself to us. Grant that we may go into the world in the strength of your spirit to give ourselves for others. In the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord, amen.
may the grace of our risen Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, the love of God the Father, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with each one of us both now and forevermore.